What number is this, Chip? Episode 30. Dino Kovas of the New Monkeys stops to talk about Mickey, the Monkeys, the New Monkeys, Dolan's Jones, Boys and Heart, and his new film, Roadkill. Okay, no, I mean, don't get excited, man. It's because I'm short. I'm You're listening to Zilch, a Monkeys podcast. Welcome to the 30th installment of Your Monkeys Podcast, Zilch. Today on Zilch, you're going to have a conversation between two monkey fans. Myself, Ken Mills, your host, and Dino Kovas, who was the drummer for the new monkeys. You may be surprised to find out what a big monkey fan he was as well. But before we get into that, I'd like to thank you all for your support of the Bobby Hart episode, episode 29, the psychedelic bubblegum episode. We've got such a terrific response from it. And remember, rate us on iTunes. We love to hear from you. And go out and buy that book, Psychedelic Bubblegum, at Amazon and Barnes and Noble. You can always also go to bobbyhart.com. And now, without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, Dino Kovas. Turn it up. Hi, my name's Dino Kovis, and I'm going to tell you about a project that me and some friends have been working on called Roadkill. Roadkill is a feature film that we plan on shooting in Michigan. So we're trying to reach out to as many people as we can to help us raise the funds so that we can produce our Hot Rod Horror film. This is Dino Kovis, and you're listening to Zilch, a monkey's podcast. What a professional. And now we welcome someone to the show who is a huge Monkey fan and also had uh, the name Monkeys as part of something he was involved in, Dino Kovis. How are you today, sir? And welcome to Zilch. Thank you. I'm, I'm, I'm actually doing good. I'm sitting here with uh, my cup of coffee. Uh, first one of the day. Excellent. Well, I'll give you a little bit of history on Zilch. As strange as it is, the episode that featured Marty Ross... Discussing the New Monkeys is one of our most downloaded episodes that we've ever had in Zilch history. It also is something that a lot of people learned a lot from, that they didn't understand what all was going on behind the scenes and what you guys went through, and what fans you were of the Monkeys. And I mentioned you being a fan of the Monkeys, and particularly Mickey Dolan's, correct? Oh, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you know, when... Uh... I, I've been thinking about the first time when I actually learned about the monkeys, and um, it's actually kind of a long story, Ken. That, well, let's uh, do it. But, all right. <laughs> so, you know, being, I think I started watching the monkeys in 1974 or 75, uh -huh. and at that point, it was uh, it was syndicated, right? Right. But being a young lad. I didn't know what syndication was, so I had no idea that the show that I was watching was actually made 10 years prior. Yeah, right? exactly, because television was like one of those cool wastelands where you could watch Lost in Space and Star Trek and Gilligan's Island, and it was just... A, a fun thing. It was it was great. It was a great time to be alive, and uh, especially all the different options a kid had if he could find a really cool UHF station. But see, but but the thing is, even more so than that, I'm talking about. I thought 
while I was watching these shows, the monsters, the uh, Lost in Space, everything that you know, you and I both grew up on. Mm-hmm. I I thought that I was watching it in the now, uh-huh. you know. So, so I, I remember going to um, seeing a magazine. There used to be a record store called uh, Peaches Records and Tapes. Oh yes, yes, yes. Right, and I remember after you know I would go in there because it was close to uh, close to my house. And I would ask for monkey albums, and they they didn't really have any. They I remember the greatest hits one, the uh-huh. one uh, it was kind of orangish, and and I remember going in there and and uh, finding that. But then they were like, well, if you want, you can look in in our uh, catalog book, and it was this huge like huge yellow book. Uh-huh. And I and I would look through it, and I would you know try to find monkey albums. But then what caught my eye, there was a magazine on a rack, and it was it it, it was Dolan's Jones Voice and Heart. Ah. And and I had no idea. Now, mind you, I'm thinking the monkeys are the four guys uh, now. You know uh-huh. what I mean? Like the show is being made now. Right. So and- I see this picture of Mickey and Davy, and it was like I was told that Santa Claus wasn't real because it was that point where I was like, wait a minute, they don't look like those guys, you know? Uh And it it was so, it was weird because I was, it really, it hurt. (laughs) Well, yeah. I was like, wait a minute, they're not, that's not them now, you know? Uh Um, It was, uh, it was weird. And I remember that day when it hit me that, I'm not watching a show that's being made now. I'm watching a show from the past, you know, which, you know, I thought was kind of cool anyways, regardless. But um, but that's what I'm saying is, is that everything that I watched, I thought it was happening in the now. Mm-hmm. So so to me, you know, I, I always felt I can walk up to Mickey and he's going to look the way he looks on on the show. But then when I saw that picture of Dolan Jones' voice in the heart, I was like, Oh, he doesn't look the same. Nope. <laughs> Anyways, and, and they're not wearing the red shirts with the four buttons, and you know, and who are yeah. these other guys? And where's Mike's hat? Exactly. And where's Mike? <laughs> you know. <laughs> exactly. But then it led me into it led me into learning about Dolan's Jones Boys and Heart, and from there, I sort of uh, I sort of grabbed that album and just listened to that one to death because. For the most part, it was Mickey and Davey, and it was as close as close to the monkeys at that time that I would be able to get. Right. Uh, and yeah, I just uh, that album I, I I dug, and I still listen to actually. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 actually pretty good. And for folks that don't have it, they should be checking it out. It's it's out there, folks. Yeah. <laughs> After all the spotlights and the flowers After all the parties and the signs There was something in the air Something that we realized We would always share
Me and some friends, we met up. Um, we met up at a friend's house, and we put a. We pretended we were the monkeys, and we uh-huh. put on an album, and we sat in his room and pretended we played. And oddly enough, uh, because I was the shortest one, I was Davy Jones. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and uh, and he had an album, a monkey album, and it was Headquarters. Now I had never heard. I, I never had an album. I only. Any music, it was anything that I, you know, had from the show, uh-huh. right? So he said, "Oh, you, you can have this album." I was like, "Oh my god, okay, great!" But <laughs> it was the Monkeys' headquarters, and there was a, a break. Uh, uh, the album was broke. It was like a one-inch break that that made it so that I couldn't hear. You told me, and for Pete's sake. Oh, so the first two songs were basically defective because of the crack. <laughs> but what did I do? Like an idiot, <laughs> I tried to like I took the I took the needle, you know, I put it on the turntable, and I tried to listen for you know for those few seconds that I could, uh-huh. so I can figure out what songs that they were. <laughs> so so because I had no idea, you know, you hear for Pete's sake at the end of the show, uh-huh. but. You know, but I had no idea that it was called for Pete's sake because I'm not really reading credits. As soon as I start doing it, trying to hear it, I heard that. You know, I heard that first. Oh, okay. So that's. Oh, okay. So I know what I'm missing now. Then I put on the. You told me, and that one was just kind of like it wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't really. I I enjoyed that song later. But at that point, when I had the album, it didn't really bother me that I couldn't hear it. Well, you were just glad to have the rest of it, you know. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But yet, you know, it was like, dang it, I'm missing two songs. Uh, (laughs) uh, Well, this is going to be a weird question, but now when you listen to Headquarters, do you, uh, does it, is it weird having those other tracks? Uh no, because I mean it's been so many years and right. I just I, I know all those tracks now, you know. But I remember uh, having Abbey Road when I was a okay. kid. And I, I'm a huge Beatle fan. Okay. But there was this one like pop that was in in one of the songs. You never give me your money. And when I later got a clean version of it without that pop, it was weird because it that just wasn't there. It was almost like the version that I knew. Right, you were pop. expecting the pop, and you're like, "This isn't real. This isn't real." It's kind of like when uh, I bought the Grease, mm-hmm. the Grease soundtrack. Yeah, and and I was listening to uh, uh, the what's the name of the track? I got chills. Uh, um, you're the one you're that the I one want, one. Yes. right? Well, I love that movie so much that when I bought the soundtrack, and and she and and there's a scream in there that Travolta does in the movie. Uh, I mean, I have to listen to it, but he goes, "Wow!" Yeah. It wasn't in the soundtrack, and I was like, "Wait a minute, that that's not from the movie. That's not the actual soundtrack from the movie." And right. I was, so, <laughs> I was so angry about that, which is, you know, yeah, it's those little things that that you know, as a kid or even as an older person, you kind of you get used to, and then you're like, "Wait, nah, that's not how it's supposed to be." Damn it! Put the scream in. <laughs> Absolutely. There is a video of you that you can find on YouTube. 
and I'll mm-hmm. place it in the thread discussion for this show at some point. But if people, you know, don't believe that you're a Monkees fan, they only really need to look at this clip. <laughs> and and you know the clip I'm talking about. And it's it's the- not like doing Last Train to Clarksville. It's kind of a rare track when you look at, you know, the pantheon of Monkees singles. This is not one of the ones that are the most beloved or most known. But it's oh my my, and and you're lip syncing to it, and this yes. was this was recorded on video about what year? Uh, this had to have been because I was still doing back porch. It had to have been eighty four or eighty five, nineteen eighty four, nineteen eighty five. So this was a um, couple of years before the whole new monkeys thing even was whispered to you or anybody else. Well, this was actually before the monkeys even went on MTV. Yeah. And- and started, you know, started the big thing because I think the monkeys went on MTV in '86. Uh-huh. But yeah, definitely, I never. I get, I'm telling you, Ken, I I, I love the monkeys, and that uh, that the oh my my, the reason I knew of oh my my was because during the syndicated period of uh, you know the monkeys, uh-huh. there was there was a commercial for this monkeys album. It was it was a comp it was a compilation. Ah. It was almost like a greatest hits. And it had the sketch their their faces sketched on there. Uh-huh. Um, it wasn't it wasn't an album that was released. It was like it was kind of like a uh, it wasn't a great assist because it was you know it had cuddly toy on there. Uh-huh. It had it probably had all the songs from the other albums that and they kind of compiled it and made it a greatest hits album. Uh-huh. It was really, but I bought it. You know, I, I saved my money, you know, taken out to trash, and I bought <laughs> it, and it came, and that's how I knew of Oh My My, because I never knew of, I you know, I got uh, I got Pisces, Aquarius, Capricorn, and Jones, like, later. Uh-huh. I was visiting California. I was visiting my uh, dear friend Steve Turner, and he was going to the USC film school, and... His roommates, who were uh, David S. Goyer and Roger Manning, they, um, you know, I was like, let's shoot a video so I can take it back and play it on back porch video, you know. And they were like, okay, what should we do? <laughs> so I had, I had, oh my my, you know. But I wanted to tweak it a little bit, so I put it on, uh, I put it on, uh, well, I forgot nowadays, is it 78? Yeah, because it, yeah, it, it was, yeah, 33. Yeah. Right, thirty-three. Yeah, um, so we sped it up, and um, and <laughs> and we did the little lip-syncing thing, and it was it was pure fun. So, not only are you such a monkey nerd that you know you you actually knew what Oh My My was, but you did this lip-sync to it. You mentioned you threw a couple names there, David Goyer. Yes. In case people don't know who that is, would you like to fill them in a little bit? David Goyer is he's a huge writer. And uh, and director. I mean, he's a producer uh, of Batman Begins, Man of Steel, The Dark Knight. Uh, and it's he's insane. Got, yeah, and he's got Constantine on uh, NBC. Hopefully that comes back. There's so much that he's got in his resume. It's just insane. Just insane. Yeah, he directed Blade Trinity. Uh-huh. Um, he uh, he directed The Unborn, and you know he's got Da Vinci's Demons. Uh-huh. You know that was that was a pretty <laughs> cool show. Anyways, so and Roger. Roger Manning was with a band called Jellyfish. Yeah, I don't do. Do, do you remember Jellyfish? Yes, I do. I absolutely so, do. So now we were all pretty much, you know, we were like eighteen, nineteen year olds, uh, 
and they were going to you know USC Film School, and I was a friend of theirs, and we just got together and and we did this, and it was uh, yeah, it was just you know it was what Russ Gibb used to call wacky footage. Russ Gibb was uh, he was a, a well, he was a rock promoter in Detroit, uh-huh. and he used to uh, promote the Grandy Ballroom back in the sixties. Uh-huh. Did you know about the Grandy Ballroom? No, I did not. Oh, it's like where the MC5, uh, you know the MC5? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Well, you know the song Kick Out the Jams, uh-huh. yep. Mofos? Yep. Yeah, that was, that was recorded at the Grandy Ballroom. Iggy, yeah. Iggy Pop, Iggy and the Stooges used to play there. Uh, uh, it, was, it was great rock and roll, you know, Detroit rock and roll history. Anyways, I'm going off on a tangent. you got to pull me back, Ken. Okay. <laughs> so... So it's it's really cool that uh, there's this video of you with uh, David Goyer and Mr. Manning and everybody, and it's just uh, it's just it's just a fun clip. But it shows how much of a monkey fan you were. You told me at one point that Mickey Dolan's was your favorite, and the reason for that is the reason for that is because i think he had this and, and now I'm, I'm just thinking back to like when when i was a kid uh, i think he had the same sensibilities that uh lou costello had in terms of uh kind of the slapstickiness because uh-huh. i was you know i still am a huge you know abbott and costello fan so um to me it just seemed very uh, he mickey seemed very similar to like a Lou Costello, you know, the facial expressions, the, you know, uh, the timing, impeccable timing Mickey has. Plus he committed. I mean, whenever he was into a bit, it was 100%. Yeah, totally, man. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it really is beyond me why he didn't go further. And, and, and I didn't live during that period. So I don't know if, if he was, um, kind of pigeon held as a monkey uh I, yeah i don't know you know i just he's just a talent that i i can't you know well, i wish it, it, I, I wish there would have been more of him somewhere out there you know like davy tried to do with with the brady bunch you right know? i th- what did, did mickey play somewhere out he did yeah, some well, other well, stuff he played like a motorcycle guy somewhere on that some was show. adam 12 yeah he was he, he was on adam 12 Oink, oink. No, I think you gotta say it with more of a grunt, Skinner. Shake all it. Ah, was it those same two dudes in the choppers? You know anything about it, Euler? Oh, man. I don't want to know anything about those kind of freaks. Tried out for Fonzie, actually, for, for Happy Days. Yeah, he wouldn't have been a good Fonzie. Nah. To... No, I mean, you know, because he's too... He's not a badass, you know right. what I mean? Unless, of course, he's doing his Cagney impersonation. <laughs> You're a Yankee Doodle Dandy. You're the rat that killed my brother. You guys want to talk to me? Well, talk. Mm, all right, I'll talk. You listen. <laughs> <laughs> which is great. Which takes me to, uh, which which takes me to the the monkeys a la carte, you uh. know. Which now again that 
leads into the whole Abbott and Costello 1940s, you know, uh, that was kind of one of my favorite episodes as well, because that kind of reminded me of like the whole black and white film noir stuff that I used to love as a kid, although it was in full color, but you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> So I'm going to ask you a couple questions real quick. What's your favorite Monkeys album? What's your favorite Monkeys single? And what's your favorite Monkeys episode? Uh, you can't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, that's... Uh, there's no way. You know, because Headquarters was... That was my first album. So, uh, you know, and there was... You know, I loved No Time. No uh -huh. Time was... You know, that was... I just freaking loved it. Favorite album, man. I, you know, more, yeah, you know, because to me, when I was holding headquarters and I, and I, you know, you turn over the cover and you see them like in the studio, uh -huh. that, you know, that really did it for me. I was like, ah, you know, they, they kick butt. But I also remember when I got the monkeys, I just remember reading their. <laughs> reading how tall they were you know and where they were born and um i i i can't i can't give you that i you know i i know i'm so, gonna have to so say headquarters just because it was the first one that turned me on to it and 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 uh I, i'll say headquarters for album but i gotta tell you all the other ones are close firsts too well at least the monkeys and more of the monkeys my favorite single uh going down Probably, really. Well, that's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a cool pick. You know, and as a, even even as an older gent now, because I don't sit there and um and, and worry about if Mickey was playing the drums or if you know Davy was you know playing the saxophone. Uh -huh. you know I mean? um, it, it's. It, it's it's a really kick-ass song. So it really is. and Mickey and Mickey does an outstanding job. I mean, that's that that's what I'm saying. He he's he's he was a talent. I can't believe. I wonder if he just had a shitty agent. <laughs> <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> it could be, but it's they they got so lucky when they when they got a hold of Mickey Dolan's because it, whether it, the 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 his uh, acting or his comedic bits, or what he was able to do in the recording studio. I mean, he has one of the greatest voices of rock, and it still holds up today. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't really, I, you know, I, 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 I've, I've never seen them live now, and and I've never seen them live now for the same reason why I won't go see uh, the Sex Pistols. Uh -huh. uh, I won't go see. Uh, you know, I have a friend who played with who's the Herman Hermits guy? Um, uh, Peter Noon. Yeah, Peter. He's the his friend of mine is a drummer for Herman Hermits. But to me, a lot. You know, it's just uh, what do they call what do they call it back in the day? Um, uh, um, um, a review. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like for me to go see Mickey sing now is not going to take me back to you know when I was you know eight, nine years old watching the monkeys. It's just the way it is for me. Well, so it's, it's, I, it's kind of like when you found the Boyce and Hart and Dolans and Jones and all that, you still, your monkeys were the guys with the wool hat and the, you know, the No, no, but there, there was a difference though, because yeah. to me, Dolan, Jones, Boyce and Hart, they gave me something new. You know right. what I mean? Right. They, they, 
they totally put out their own stuff. Uh-huh. So it wasn't like uh, they weren't biting off the monkeys, you know, music, even though it was Davy and, and Mickey. Uh-huh. They were doing something new. So, right. and I thank them for that because it wasn't like they were trying to redo the monkeys. You know, yeah, they were they were doing their own thing, and that's why I think that album it's, itself just it's, it stands on its own for what it is. Um, at any rate, uh, I, I don't like going to see what band from the 80s that I might like, you know, if they're having a reunion, you know, it's like seeing Devo with only Mark Mothersbaugh, you know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. it's, I, I, I don't like doing that, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't think I told you what my favorite episode was, and Ken, I have to tell you, I think there's, uh, I have a few, and there's a reason why I have a few. Because each one, each one of these episodes actually, uh, it, it, it triggered something. So, like, for example, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, Don't Look a Gift Horse in the Mouth, uh-huh. right? That, I remember watching that and hearing all the King's Horses. And when I heard that, I was like, wait a minute, that's the kick-ass song and I've never heard it on any album, <laughs> you know? And I used to record with the little. You remember those little, um, oh, yeah. little cassette recorders? Absolutely. I always used to record the shows that way, and that's the way I had all the King's horses. He's gonna hate me, but there was a new monkeys, new monkeys person who actually said, "Dino, I can get that for you," and and he got it for me. So now I have it. Um, but at any rate, um, so that that's one. One episode that really meant something to me. I already said the the monkeys a la carte was yeah. the whole kind of forties gangster thing. I kind of dug that. Monkeys in a ghost town. That's a I great thought, one. You know, Lon Chaney and stuff. So yeah. that kind of again, you know, they they brought it, and maybe that was because of Rafelson too. You know, uh, bringing in some of these. Some of these, uh, some of the, the this feel, some of this, uh, you guys ain't going no place, you know, uh, type thing. You know, seeing Lon Chaney was just like, oh my God, that's the Wolfman, and the Absolutely. monkeys have them. They rule, you know. <laughs> um, and then there's Monkey's Paw, which is, I bet, many people's favorite. Watching it now as as an older, as an adult, there, there's so many cool things about that, especially the, uh, well, there was a. <laughs> The joke. I'm not. I'm gonna butcher it. But when uh, when when the magician went to go meet the the high monk, uh-huh. and Mike goes, "Well, that's a reason why he's he's sleeping it off. That's why <laughs> that's why they call him the high monk or something like that." You know? Yeah. <laughs> so you know, I I never caught that as a kid. You know, but and as then, an adult, you know, as an adult, I'm like, oh my god, that's hilarious. Um, so that that one's up there for me as well. Was Mickey Dolan's an inspiration to you as a drummer? No. <laughs> because I got to, you know, there was, as a kid, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to, you know, everybody's going to hate me. Uh, but as a kid, I didn't realize that Mickey wasn't playing his drums when he's watching, when I was watching the show. Right. You know what I mean? So as I was growing up, and you know he was a re- you know he he was kind of a reason why I wanted to play drums right. you know what I mean because cause I dug them but once once I started getting older and learning how to play you know it was the people that I kind of gravitated to were like Keith Moon and right. Rich Mitchell right 
you know. And and the monkeys, you know, I always dug them, but I dug them for another reason. You know, it's being, you know, a 14-year-old kid in the basement banging on the drums, listen to, you know, listening to The Who, it's like, that's what I want to play. Right. <laughs> it's like, I, I want to hit that hard. No, he wasn't an inspiration per se in, in the way of drumming technique, but he was an inspiration in watching him behind these drums as a young kid going, wow, he's, you know, he's, he's, he's rocking. Yeah, that's what I want to do. You know what I mean? Yeah, that looks like fun. I want to try that. Yeah. Now, prior to the New Monkeys, you were in Michigan, and you had this show called Back Porch Video. Would you like to tell folks what that was about? Back Porch Video was uh, was a, a, a live show every Saturday night, and where we were given the freedom to go on live television and you know uh, introduce videos and talk about things that are going on you know in our lives so we would get like news clips we would we would shoot our own videos and and show them you know and videos could be like it could just be us walking around in the mall you know uh-huh. but back in back in 1984 when not a lot of people were you know had the camcorders it was people thought it was kind of interesting watching what these teenagers are doing with this new technology you know right Steve Hernyak, who was a dear friend who I grew up with, he and I had had a one-hour show where we would uh, play music videos, rant and rave, and make our own videos and show our own videos. So a lot of people nowadays, they'll be like, oh, it was like um, Wayne's World. Wayne and Garth before Wayne yeah, and Garth. Exactly. And I was like, eh, yeah, a little bit, except we, you know, we weren't in a basement. We actually had, we had, Ken, we had control of this cable studio. So you're talking like 30, 30 high school kids, uh-huh. and, and they could be like 10th graders, <laughs> uh, running around and putting on a show. And our, our mentor, Russ Gibb, who I told you about before, he's yes. the one who gave us this opportunity because he was a video teacher in the Dearborn Public School area and he started this show called Back Porch Video and it's basically giving the go ahead to kids to explore to experiment to you know to do a lot of stuff so uh, we were able to do a lot of cool stuff that uh, most kids you know couldn't do right and it kept us out of trouble too exactly so you and Stiv kind of cut your teeth on this figured out that this was the direction that your life could go as far as uh, being involved in the entertainment industry on some level. And at some point, the New Monkeys tap you on the shoulder. How did you hear about the New Monkeys? I was playing in a surfability band called Snake Out uh-huh. with my friend Len Putch, and I was doing Back Porch with Stiv. And Stiv's sister had seen on MTV that they were they were going to have auditions for new monkeys. And in TV culture today, more than 20 years later, the monkeys are back. Only this time, instead of Davey, Mickey, Mike, and Peter, it's Larry, Dino, Marty, and Jared. This week, the new monkey series debuts on syndicated television. The new group wants you to know they're not trying to imitate the original monkeys, but they told us the new show will have something in common with the old one. 
opening credits, we have commercials. Yeah, the closing credits, we have someone. And the second part of our name is and Monkeys. The second part of our name is Monkeys. The original. Well, I say wacky would be a word, but I would say weird. bizarre. Weird. Say it again, dude. Gentlemen, let the games begin. <laughs> Wave of the day. Wow. Oh, man, this is ridiculous. The man speaks the truth. Playing games with me, don't do this. Music, madness, new monkeys this fall. I never had cable growing up, so I never had MTV. I didn't see, I didn't see on MTV the monkeys being played. I didn't know that there was a monkey craze kind of brewing, you know. Right. But she did tell me, she's like, oh, they're auditioning. They're going to have new monkeys. So I was like, oh, well, I'm in front of a camera every week, and, uh-huh. and I play drums. I, I think I could do it. I love the monkeys, <laughs> you know. Me and Stiv actually flew to New York to, uh, to, uh, to audition. And it, it was really weird how I got the money to do it because uh, – and I actually do it in my – I explain this in my – What do they call that? Interview on the show. Yeah. 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 Um, so do I need to go through that, or should we just ask I'm, people to go watch that? I'll just I'll just play a bit of that clip. <laughs> All right, good, because I don't want to go through that whole story, Ken. Right. That was a, um, so, you know, it was what was funny was when we auditioned. The first thing that they did, they had four tables set up, uh-huh. and you would you would walk up to a table, you would sit down, and it was like having a personality. Um, interview uh-huh. right so I sat at the table with, with this gentleman and he asked me some questions um, and then he said you know do you sing and I said well yeah and he said uh, what song would you like to sing for me and and I sang uh, uh, an Elvis song ain't that a loving you baby uh-huh. And I think he was shocked because I think most people were like, "Take the last train to Clarksville," yeah. and I'm like, "Ah, I'm not. You know, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I, I love all this right now." <laughs> he asked me. He said, "Well, you know what? I'd really like you to come back tomorrow um, and 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 do a full-on audition." And I said to him, "Well, I can't. My plane's leaving tonight." And then it hit me. I'm like, that, that, "That's dumb." Yes, I'll I'll arrange it so I can. You know. Uh, so I had to call and you know change my flight, but it was so funny because at first I was thinking, no, I can't. Can't you just take me now? Uh, but anyway, so then um, you know we changed we changed our flights. I went. I did the full on audition. Um, I felt uh, during my audition I played drums and and I sang uh, I, I sang a straight cat song. <laughs> and can you tell I was into rockabilly? Yeah, just a little <laughs> bit. But then I had to improvise with this one girl. It was going good, and then all of a sudden I remember I had to sell her. Part of the improv was I had to sell her this rock as something other than a rock. And and she just negated. She was just like, no, nah, I don't think so. You know, wow. and everything that I would come up with, she was just like, mm, "Yeah, no, I don't think so." So I felt, I felt like it went bad, 
So, you know, the, you know, uh, Victor Fresco, I remember Victor Fresco because he was the only one that wasn't laughing. And he, I just remember him, like his legs crossed and kind of like staring at me. And I was like, he hates me. I don't have it. All right. This was great. Yeah, fun. All right. I'll see you guys later. So I flew back to Michigan, uh, snake out, you know, I was with snake out. We left. We left to do a little uh, a little van tour, as I call it, van tour because it was uh, it was a three piece band with two friends as roadies in a van. Right. And uh, and we you know we started we were three weeks into our van tour, and I called my mom and remember now this is like before cell phones. Um, I was in Kentucky, and I called my mom and she was ecstatic because she was like. You know they called from Hollywood. They called from Hollywood. And I'm like, who called from Hollywood? I had I had forgotten, right? Uh, and she goes, they're new monkeys, you know. And I was like, I was I was blown away. So I called Steve Blauner. She gave me the number. I called Steve Blauner right away. He asked me. He said, where are you going to be on this date? And I said, you know, I <laughs> I yelled to Len, hey Len, where where are we going to be uh, during this time? And uh, he yells back, oh, we're, we're going to be in, uh, where was, it was um, uh, Portland. Portland, Maine uh-huh. is where we were going to be. So there was a ticket waiting for me. My band drove me to Portland, to the airport. I flew out of Portland, Maine. I came out to Los Angeles. I stayed out here for, I think it was like four days where the, you know we did screen tests. And then I flew back to, uh, I met Snake Out in Boston. So they flew me back to Boston, and I continued with a little tour. And it was really weird because Len, I, we, we were having a heart-to-heart, and he said, uh, he goes, you know, Dina, I'm, I'm really happy for you. I'm really happy for you. I'm like, then why do you seem sad? And I'll never forget this because he goes, because I'm going to lose my drummer. Oh. And I was like, wow, he really thinks I'm going to make it. <laughs> you know? And he had no idea. You know, it's not right. like he was with me or knew anything of my screen test or or anything. We were taking a little break from the tour. We went. I was back in Dearborn, and uh, I was at the mall. Uh, I was asked to call Steve Blauner. I called Steve Blauner, and he said to me, I, "You're not allowed to tell anybody, but you're one of the new monkeys." Wow. So that's when uh, you know I found out I was at the mall that I was uh, I was a new monkey, but I couldn't tell anybody except for my my friend Lorenzo who was right there with me and I was I was hitting him because out of excitement and uh, he was the only one that that knew that I was a new monkey for a while him and my mom (laughs) amazing about uh, working with Mr. Blauner and Mr. Schneider and Mr. Rifleson. Do you have any thoughts about working with those gentlemen? Well, you know, I love Steve Blauner because he, no matter what anybody thinks, you know, he really wanted to make something new, something creative. We all 
were saying, don't call it new monkeys. Don't call it new monkeys. Uh, we were begging. Uh-huh. But because Columbia, it was under Columbia, and at the time, there, it was the regurgitation period of television. Right. Everything was being remade. Everything was being remade. Every, I mean, Everything. Look at it. You had uh, even the Batman movie that was... You know, it was it was cyclical. It was time for that to be remade, and uh, you had all the TV shows that were being remade. And you were actually on the set of the new Gidget when you did your uh, interview. You're right, and, the screen and, test. Yeah, 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 did, your, your you screen test. So you were on the new Gidget show. So, and Star Trek was coming back, and yeah, but Star Trek was smart enough to call it Star Trek: The Next Generation. Yeah, you know, but if if they would have uh, called you guys the New Monkeys, The Next Generation, I don't think it would have mattered. No, it wouldn't have, and that's why we were we were begging to just call the series something else, mm-hmm. you know, other than New Monkeys. And there was talk about calling it New Monkeys, starring blah blah blah. And we were like, no, no. But then I think the business side of Columbia was thinking, well, it's syndication, and it needs to be bought. And mm-hmm. the way that people are buying things in in different markets are because it's tied onto something that was successful the new right. the new monsters new gidget new leave it to beaver new blah 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 you know so that was the other drag is that we weren't network you know we were syndicated so whereas the monkeys were network they were um uh, they were guaranteed a certain amount you know because your network even though nowadays network something can die pretty quick right. uh but syndication you had to you know it had to be sold right. so from a, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but we definitely, I didn't want that, you know, that that mark on me, you know. And I tried really hard to tell monkey fans that we're not trying to, we're not, we're not trying to, uh, to to replace. There's no way. I went to a monkey fan club's president home so I could make our case, you know, and to show that we don't want to, we, we don't want to replace, we can't help it, you know, I, I was offered this job and I want to take it, <laughs> you know, I'm not not going to do it because it's called New Monkeys, but I want to, I want to let you know that we don't want to replace the monkeys, we cannot replace the monkeys. And I forgot what this woman's name was. I, I you know, it's, I, I can't remember. <laughs> I remember going into her home, and I remember in her living room, all she had was monkey posters, monkey paraphernalia stuff, uh-huh. and and that was the first time where I thought to myself, what am I doing? I'm in the lion's den. <laughs> you, you know? And, and from there, you know, it was always, you know, I, because I, it was always just trying to explain look man me and the guys there's no way we're even thinking that we're replacing there's no way you know it was just making the case of you know it's not that's not at all what we're thinking at all and um and apparently it didn't work right because <laughs> everybody's everybody still thought we you know we wanted to replace them and but i have to tell you you know in the later years people were realizing like 
it wasn't necessarily us. It's not like I put a group together and and I'm and I'm doing this. It was we were four individuals that were hired. I don't think that there's a monkey fan out there that if they were offered the job that they would have turned it down. You know what I mean? Right. If somebody I'm, said, "Listen, we're starting a TV show this year and uh, we need you to play whatever character it is or you know or just well hey, right we right. weren't we weren't hired to play yeah you know we were hired to play us right right uh, well, I well, wasn't hired to be Mickey right you know? in the same sense that the the monkeys were picked and they played a, a cartoon version of themselves you would be playing a cartoon version of yourself correct cartoon character if you will and even though it wasn't a cartoon <laughs> you had a certain uh inflection to your voice and a style that was just kind of like a cross between hunts hall <laughs> you know what i mean yeah where yeah you... like yeah the dems and those guys what are yeah. you talking about how how did you stumble upon that well i had that character on back porch mm-hmm. like if if you watch back porch Russ Gibb used to call us the Dems and those guys because, you know, that's how we always used to talk. What are you talking about? Are you serious? Get out of (laughs) here. But it really is like a a, a Abbott and Costello. Like you could hear Lou Costello doing that. Exactly. And that's where I think subconsciously where it all kind of came. Hey, Abbott, what are you talking about, Abbott? You know, uh, (laughs) it's like. That's kind of where it came from, I think, you know. And then I think it just I kind of exploded, <laughs> you know. I kind of did a, a huge caricature of that, you know. And, um, and you did this during the auditions in New York, right? Yeah, I did it. I, I did it. and So it's like, well, hey, I mean, it's, it's working. Why got, stop? <laughs> well, exactly. Well, because I was doing it during, you know, Back Porch. So to me, Dino from you know, new monkeys is kind of an extension of Dino from back porch. Right. You know, right. cause I wasn't, I wasn't an actor. I wasn't like Jared, you know, out here getting roles and pursuing the acting thing. I was doing a live show acting goofy. So I had to sort of take that Dino character from back porch and kind of translate and make it into Dino from the show. And I got to tell you, I, there was times where there's times now where I look and I'm like, what was I doing? You know, it's like, <laughs> what that was, I, I would have done it so, so much different, but I had no formal training. Right. You know? Right. Neither did Marty, neither did Larry. I think with time, <laughs> you know, with two seasons, Hey, hey, are these four guys great or what? They got charisma, they got, they got style, they got music. I'd stake my life on these guys. Somebody's life. We'll find somebody's life. I mean, maybe his life. Now, do you have uh, anything about uh, Schneider and Rafelson? Bert, Bert floated around. I have a, I have a picture of Bert because my whole thing with Bert was he'd always come when I, when I was never there. Really? So I took a picture of myself 
and I gave it to 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 Blauner, and the picture said, "Where are you?" And and he gave it to Bert. A day later, Steve came up to me and gave me a picture of he and Bert sitting on the bumper of my car. The picture says, "Where are you?" <laughs> yeah, and I'm thinking, "Wow, can you imagine if we had, you know, that's like that was almost like texting." Yeah. Way, way before texting and stuff like that. and <laughs> Exactly. So Bert was, uh, he would always come around and, and chat, um, but it wasn't like he was, he was there while we were always shooting, uh-huh. you know. He wasn't hands-on. It was, it was mostly, it was mostly Blauner uh-huh. and, and, and Rafelson would come down, yeah, and give us little chats. You know, one time I don't even know if we have this anymore, but I, Rafelson actually came and and did like little interviewee type things, like he did with the monkeys. Uh-huh. I remember Bob's. You know, a, a a big ego boost for me was Bob's secretary, who's who was a sweet, sweet lady, assistant. She once told me that Bob is the one who picked me for for new monkeys. Huh. And I always held that, you know, dear <laughs> to my heart because I just remember watching the monkeys, just seeing Bob Rafelson's name always, you know. Uh-huh. And then one time Bob came down. We were in a little conference room. And I remember he was like, Larry, you know, he was giving his, his pointer things. And I remember him saying, uh, Larry, you're, you know, you don't have to be cute all the time, you know, blah, blah, blah. Jared, I like the way you do this. Marty... You can improve on this, do this, but keep doing this and that. Dino, you just keep doing what you're doing. Uh. And I was like, I got approval from Bob Rafelson. So to me, that was uh, being a monkeys fan. That was that was huge for me, you know. But out of the history of it all, there were only eight people that were picked to be named with the phrase monkeys in it, and it was the original four and you four as well like you said growing up seeing those names on the tv screen that was it had to be surreal it was very surreal you know plus it was i was going to be doing what i love doing being on a television show and playing drums you know there was i couldn't have asked for anything else and it was very very surreal i went from delivering pizzas to doing this show so and, it and, was... and to being in magazines and things like that <laughs> And to being in magazines and everything that goes along with it, you know, yeah. and getting yelled at and getting hate mail, and and yeah, all the all the all the good and bad. You know, what was really a drag is that the hate mail that we did receive, we felt like we weren't even in control. We we had no control over this, uh, and, and we kind of felt, you know, kind of like I told you, if anyone was was offered the position, they would take it. There's uh-huh. no way, and I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate people for wanting to take it because the way we were looking at it is that it's a television show. I guess at that time, you know, the monkeys were coming into their own as a band. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they were they were playing out more. You know, again, it, when I was growing up, the monkeys weren't playing. You know, right. they weren't playing out. Dolan Jones, Boyce, and Hart were, I guess, the the, the first national band. Which I loved, by the way. I bought when I was a kid. I bought all his albums. That was yeah, the other thing. Yeah, Nesmith has some excellent stuff. Ah, uh, it was it was great. I, I'm telling, and and now I just 
uh, well, it was probably a year ago. I bought all the, uh, you know, there was a set out with all the albums, so I, yes, I got yes. them. I got them on CD, but I played the crap out of the LPs, man. And again, it was a it was a thing to me. Dolan Joe's Voice and Heart and the First National Band. It 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 took me closer to the monkeys and i knew it wasn't the monkeys but it was it was you know it was it was the next best thing that i can have uh-huh. you know and 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 i loved them to death all those albums <laughs> you know and, and that's not a bad set to have picked up that's that's great it's a great set Was there a time when you realized that this was getting out of hand as far as people making threats or hate mail or stuff like that? Was there ever a time that the law was involved or anything like that? I think the fact that there was so much anger and hate for New Monkeys, we were just kind of like, why is this? What This is bizarre. You know, I was oblivious. I was 20 years old and... and just trying to have a good time. Exactly. <laughs> now... What? Why are you hating on me, man? I'm I'm trying to have a good time. Exactly. Now, on the Good Morning America set, uh, after you guys did that, you were going to go to Larry King. Didn't you have to have a police escort? Yeah, we did. That's it. Man. Man, you're bringing back... Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yeah, that was kind of weird. People didn't like us, did they? (laughs) We're, We're in the car, and we have this police escort. And I remember Marty turning to us and saying, you know, we should have been called the new Beatles because we would have probably have gotten, you know, less people to hate us. <laughs> and, and, you know, and at that time I was like, I don't know about that one, but yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, sure. You know, you know, and again, I, Marty was older. I think he was, he was taking things in uh, that... I feel I was oblivious to, uh-huh. you know. I was trying to kind of just kind of move forward and be like, you know what? I don't care. I, this is what I'm doing. I, I right. you know, I'm not going to sit there and, 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 and worry about this stuff. I, I'm on a show. I right. got a job to do. I'm getting paid. I'm going to do it. So, well, and, and I think Marty was, because he was older, he was more aware of a lot of stuff that was, that was going on like that. Uh-huh. But you know, you, we were. I was twenty. Jared was nineteen. Larry was eighteen. Right. You know. So we're just like, huh? <laughs> yeah. We went on our merry way, and uh, and it was it was all good, and and we're still here. Thank goodness. Thank God. And it's it's really cool when you look at the other side of this because you've got four guys who survived all this, and you're all healthy and happy, and it's it's really a good happy ending to it all you know you may not have had a string of hit albums but you survived yeah well i i don't think we really we didn't hit a certain level of success where we wouldn't have survived you know what i mean right you know there was a bit of a dent we didn't hit the kind of success where where we had to deal with so much it kind of you know it took about two years of our lives Uh you know being new monkeys but after that it was just it was just gone, you know. Right. It was just an interesting process, you know. When I 
when I look at especially a lot of reality television now and what everybody goes through and you know when you got the voice when you got the American idols when you have all all this type of stuff it's you know it's kind of exactly what we went through you know and I don't think when you get cast for a television show at least back then you didn't go through the type of stuff that we went through all right in regards to the auditioning, playing music, doing all that. And on top of that, on top of doing a television show, you know, every, whenever we were done shooting, you know, the episodic part for the day, we had to move over to do a music video. Uh-huh. You know, it wasn't separate. It wasn't like, okay, yeah, we'll meet up on Saturday and, you know, we'll do a music video. It was like right after that. So we were just... We were being worked like 16, 16 hours a day. I actually caught pneumonia, probably because I was working so hard. I mean, pneumonia where I was hospitalized. Uh-huh. That's why Stiv plays me in the episode with the, the Del Rubio triplets. triplets. Yeah, now for people that, that may have not seen it, there's they actually start off the episode saying the part of Dino Covis will be played by Stiv Herniak. So that would be the... Like if if they would have brought David Pierce in to play the part of Davy Jones in a particular episode, and everybody went with it, and I loved how Stiv played that because he was like nervous with the camera. He did an excellent job. No, he's he's hilarious. Uh, he's he got his own little show on the show. You know, yeah, with the yeah. New words, New words with Stiv show. It could have, it could have been something. It could have been, been a contender. It could have been something. Yeah. You know. aspect of it how how long did it take to record that album and what what did you think of the album recording it wasn't like the the way that it was set for us it wasn't like okay you have three weeks to record and then as as a band would do you go in you lay down the tracks you Uh lay down the vocals It, it was all kind of everywhere from what i remember all our sessions, because there were different producers on the on the songs, you know, Larry would go, he'd lay stuff down, and then I remember we went and we laid our vocals down. It seemed all kind of sporadic, and when they could fit us in. Uh-huh. I remember, you know, Marty having to go, okay, I got to go lay down my, you know, my guitar tracks. I had to go lay down some drums. Some of those, you know, some of those drums on, on the album are electronic. Right. You know? And that's why there's that other guy's name on there, Paul Leem, because I know there were, you know, there were tracks on there that 
that had synthetic drums only because I was working so hard at at creating a, a television show. Uh-huh. You feel your boots being filled? Yes, but uh, <laughs> so so basically, any actual drums on it were you, and the songs that were the digital drums would have fit, or the synthetic drums worked that Pauline did. So, yes. the programming. So there you the go. The program. He programmed the drums. <laughs> right. Uh, so you know, it was it, it was all it was all just kind of crazy, Ken. I imagine. I imagine. What do you think of the album and how it holds up over time? <laughs> it's not it's not rockabilly or surfabilly, no. but you know, I thought it was cool the way that the album was kind of like half Larry's and half Marty's. You know yeah. what I mean? You knew that you know this song was Marty's because it was like this Midwest rock uh-huh. sound, which I which I always always loved. I I wasn't a fan of of I don't know. I always felt you know, or even you know, I mean, what I want was okay. Personally, I felt we had better songs on that album that should have been our first singles. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know, our fir- our first single. Yeah, I always thought it was weird that the first single was what I want. It's just that conga part that was kind of like uh, Gloria Estefan at the time kind of threw me off. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and yeah, to I, me, I as weird as this is going to sound to anybody, I when when I did the interview with Marty, I tracked down a CD because I. As I told Marty, I had kind of written you guys off after like watching two episodes as a, as a big monkeys <laughs> and, and, fan, and I, and I see why. Yeah, <laughs> and plus it it got really hard to find. That was the other thing. Uh, it was on a UHF station, and they would have uh, the Cleveland Indians on. <laughs> so they might play on a Sunday. They might play on a Saturday. If they played on a Saturday, your show got bumped to Sunday. If they played on Sunday, your show got bumped to Saturday. <laughs> so you guys were bumped all the time. So it was yeah. it was difficult, you know. But yeah. I think this is one of the greatest albums of the 80s. And I'm not saying that because I'm talking to you. It has seriously become one of my favorite albums from the 80s. Cool, cool. No, I think it's got a lot of really good tracks on it. I really do. Uh-huh. Uh Especially for that time, when you think of like Richard Marks or Glass Tiger, uh, yeah, Mister Mister, yes. yeah, totally. You know, I think it's definitely up there. I personally don't. I I think what happened was Columbia was waiting for Warner Brothers to do their push, and Warner Brothers was waiting for Columbia to push the show, uh-huh. and everybody was just kind of sitting on their hands, right? You know? right. Because if if Warner's wanted to, I think, you know, we could have went out there. And like the Monkees, I mean, the Monkees were selling more albums. Their, their music was more popular than the, their television show. Right. And they you know, both fed off of one another. You never got that, that momentum. Support. Yeah. Well, we didn't get the support, you right. know. And when you think about it, our album came out... I believe the same time as George Harrison's album with uh, "You Gotta Love Me." I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. I got my mind set on you. Yeah. Ooh, lot of money. You yeah. know that that mm-hmm. whatever album that was. So, being Warner Brothers, who are you going to support? New Monkeys <laughs> or the or guy George who's Harrison? got a, a single out the gate? That you know, yeah, absolutely. And you know, it's weird, you see on the back of the CD, you don't see many CDs that say, 
Coca-Cola Telecommunication Inks, all right reserved. You don't. Coca-Cola was not really big into producing music prior to this, <laughs> but they were, you know. But they they basically backed up the truck to Mr. Blauner, Rafelson, and Schneider and said, uh, "You guys interested in doing this again?" That had to be a big uh, part in getting this project underway. Coca-Cola owned Columbia at uh, the time, and I remember right uh, toward there was there was a big sell-off, you know, where Columbia was purchased by Sony. Yes. So, you know, perhaps that was something that had something to do with, you know, people not really caring about the show. Maybe, perhaps, I don't know. You know, it's like we can sit here and, you know, I can tell you it was probably the writing. You know, uh, you know, some of the writing was just not that good. Uh, it is what it is. We had a good time. I think we entertained a lot of people. Uh-huh. You know? Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, we can we can all sit back and, and love each other. And that's a good thing. <laughs> people look at the success that the original Monkeys were having, and, you know, when, when Sony and Coca-Cola and Columbia all get together and say, this is happening, it was going to happen whether you were involved, whether Marty was involved, whether Dino was involved, or... Jared, it, it it it's just going to happen, and who would turn it down? And and I challenge any Monkeys fan out there if if you had a chance to be in a show like the Monkeys and do an album like the Monkeys did, I think you'd do it too if you had the ability and the opportunity. As far as the concept of the two shows, I'd like to touch upon this real quick. Sure. Whereas the Monkeys were a struggling band that never made it. The new monkeys. It seemed like you guys were contest winners, and you were put into this mansion. And I was talking to Marty about this, and I said that it seemed like where the movie Head took off. That's almost like the show you guys had, where you were kind of trapped in this mansion, and you had this uh, manservant, Manford or whatever. Manford. His name. Yeah, Manford, yeah. and you had a diner and everything. It, it seems like. The monkeys in the movie Head are trapped in that black box, and it seemed like instead of making you guys four struggling musicians, you never had to work, you never had to figure out where the rent was coming from because you had this mansion that was interdimensional and anything could happen in and, and did happen. Do you feel that that hurt the show? I don't understand why monkeys fans are so upset about it, and this is coming from a guy who does a monkeys podcast. Because if you look at the actual concepts of the show, the only thing that they had uh, in, in true similarity is that you had four guys that kept their real names and played exaggerated versions of themselves in wacky situations. But, you know, the monkeys could go out on the beach and the monkeys could go do the battles of the bands. You guys were kind of stuck in that mansion for the most part. As a matter of fact, when Larry tries to leave in one episode, it it leads to some bizarre things happening. Right. And I, and to be quite honest, I think that that whole concept, which I love about, you know, four guys being trapped in the mansion and every door opens up to a new world is brilliant. There's times where I feel we succeeded and there was times where I feel like, eh, that was kind of lame. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I'm talking, you know, from a filmmaker's 
kind of perspective and if if I had the chance to create a show like that so that's that's where I'm you know I'm not talking from the perspective of a 20 year old you know actor musician uh-huh. um, you know looking back at it now I feel like there were opportunities that they just didn't take the other thing in regards to you know certain worlds that we can go into the other thing where I feel feel could have helped was to to create a better storyline of you know the band uh-huh. which i think you were kind of saying is that you know watching the monkeys they're a struggling band you're rooting for them you know they're together they're trying to make their rent you know there's a reason why we're rooting for the monkeys uh-huh. whereas new monkeys you're just I don't think it was enough to say, okay, let's see what kind of zany antics they can get into today. I, I feel we needed to know more about Dino, Jared, Larry, and Marty, you know, uh-huh. as, as a group. And, and I don't, sometimes, you know, looking back, I just don't feel we succeeded with that as far as a, a show goes. Enough so that people would care. Enough so people would say, you know what, Larry isn't Davey. You know, even though right. we always joke and we're like, "Yeah, hey, you're the Davy." Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I think that's when people could have actually seen, okay, we like these guys, we hate the name, but these characters, you know, in this television show that they're in, is okay. That I think is a main reason why it didn't really go, is because you didn't you didn't learn about the four guys, and no. if right out of the gate we're hated. That's what should have been the focus is these four guys in this band. And yeah, that's well, I remember the first full episode I saw, cause I remember seeing the pilot on something. There was some sort of thing like coming to TV this fall. It was some sort of special. And they had the part where he, uh, like Marty leans into the TV and sees the monkeys and he goes, daddy, you know, uh, there's, there's that bit. And I remember seeing that. And I remember, the first episode I saw was the one where you you have a rain cloud following you around. Yeah. And I'm like, this is nothing like the monkeys. So as weird as this is going to sound, it almost got me upset that it wasn't more like the monkeys. It was kind of like, well, it says, you know, here's the name, the new monkeys, but we're not delivering anything like the monkeys, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And that's where that's where the trouble lies because if we had given you something um, where you can actually learn about these guys uh-huh. you know then I feel then we can go you know second show third show get into the antics I think they were hoping that because that first episode they showed a little bit of the pilot you know they took clips from the pilot yes. which was never which was never aired mm-hmm. and and they showed like they, they showed clips from it trying to making it so that people can learn about these guys but you're not going to learn about these guys by me sitting there going hi my name's Dino and I do this you know you're going right. to learn about these guys in these in a storyline in in the story itself of why you know why were we in that house you almost needed to have something like the gilligan's island theme you know where it explained everything <laughs> like that 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 is one thing we've lost so much in entertainment is that you used to have a tv show 
and it would tell you everything you needed to know in that 30 seconds or whatever you know that 20 to 30 second theme song i mean you You're had right. the brady bunch they told you okay this is mike and carol you know i always was kind of like well what happened to carol's first husband and you know i always wanted that backstory but they could never you know let us right, know that I Dream of Genie. They did the same thing. I mean, you knew what was happening. He found in the little animated, you know, intro that he found this this bottle. Right. Right. So when you went into the the episode, you already knew. I mean, you're that that's actually brilliant, Ken. That's but, that's what we should have done. Well, know? they they almost needed something like these four young men picked from you know are trapped in this mansion and they are the new monkeys. You know. Well. Even the monkeys did it. I mean, when you when you think of Here we come, the, the montage, the, the opening yeah. montage for the monkeys, they made them into you know the whole flashing you see. You know, I think it's either uh, Mickey or Davy. He, you know, a quick shot with the light. He's on stage. You know, uh -huh. I mean, they 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 created the story right there. And if you think about the the new monkeys, well, you know, uh, the opening to it, it was kind of you know. It was a little weak, you know. Yeah. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Um, here I am, trash in the show I was on. A victim of its times. A, a little bit, you know, and you know, yeah. That's that's about it. I'm pissed now, Ken. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> I try to get away from that new monkey shit. And they keep and pulling just, me back. They keep pulling me back. Uh, no, it's all it's all good because it's really it, it's it's weird because I have my personal thoughts on it, you know, right. and you know I can say, wow, man, if I could do a show like that now, this is what I would do. Right. You know? I believe that the show had more to do with Pee Wee's Playhouse than it did the monkeys, as far as emulating something. It it was that kind of Saturday Night Live short films meets the Pee Wee's Playhouse meets MTV. Exactly, and I think that's where the brilliance is, is those short sketches, the the kind of variety show feel as opposed to a, a situation comedy feel. Uh -huh. you right. Because our situations were, some of them were okay, some of them were just not, the, you know. I always felt like we were getting turned into something. You know, Jared got turned into a dog. Uh -huh. I turned into uh, you know a '50s mom, which I loved. Yes. Uh, oh, wearing those heels—it was great. Uh -huh. um, and playing with the dress—that was—and <laughs> and, and the fake breasts. I had a—I had a good time, and so did the boys, by the way. Yeah. Uh, but you know, it always seemed like we were getting turned into something, and there wasn't a situation. You know, well, I guess Larry fell in love with Kylie, or where we went into the evil parallel universe, yes. which, which I kind of dug that. Which they didn't really it, set up properly. It, it, it seemed like you're supposed to know this is like the Star Trek Mirror Mirror universe, but we're not really going to set it up. It's just here it is. Exactly. And, and that's sometimes I feel that's where we didn't succeed is setting up certain things. We almost, uh, you know, we assumed that the audience, you know, would know automatically you know and sometimes you just can't assume because you know what happens when you assume ken it makes um an ass out of me and you that's right you and me you and me yes see i'm, <laughs> I'm an ass 
So, <clears throat> after the New Monkeys, tell us about your life and what's been going on with you and what you're doing today. Well, I became a heroin addict, which well, I'm clean. I've been clean for... No, I'm kidding. Weeks now. <laughs> for weeks. Yeah. Well, after New Monkeys, I moved to Chicago and uh-huh. attended film school because that was uh, that's always been a love, you know, for me. I came... You know, my whole background was shooting videos and, you know, back porch and making little little sketches, little video film, little video movies. And I attended Columbia College, uh, the, their film program over there. I lived in Chicago for about seven years, finished film school, and moved back out here to, uh, to Los Angeles. The land where, of dreams and opportunities. Yes, and... And I actually, I landed a job with a great company called Rhythm and Hughes Studios. We were a visual effects animation house. And I was with them for 14 years. We were uh, an Academy Award winning visual effects animation house. In, in between there, like while I, was, while I had my day job, I would raise funds and I would shoot uh, short films. I'm in post-production now with a full-length feature that that we shot called Sleeping Dogs Lie, uh-huh. and hopefully I'll get that out, you know, within three four months from now. And uh, as you know, Ken, I've started a, a Indiegogo campaign, which is a crowdfunding campaign to raise funds to shoot a Hot Rod creature feature. So what's the story about? It's called Roadkill. Yes, and. Roadkill is a story about a small town girl who moves to the big city and she meets her her bad boy fiance. And he's actually he's worse than, than most people know because he has a demonic parasite inside him growing and making him do some very, very bad things. So it's a story that has uh, it has love, it has hot rods, it has action, and it has horror. So um, you know so we started this campaign because we actually we we feel that we haven't seen a really cool contemporary hot rod film since since when ken uh, since forever i mean the last really cool hot rod uh horror show i remember is christine Chris, exactly this and, is kind of like a road movie meets hell so you know i like so that i like good. that ken this is good a road movie it's a road movie meets hell yes yes mm-hmm. and uh and we started a, an indiegogo crowdfunding campaign so so if there's anybody out there that's interested in the filmmaking process or that is wondering about how they can get involved please uh please look us up and and you know and get your name on a credit yeah you can get sense. your name on the credits for this movie so that's pretty cool and we have some cool perks as well, right, Ken? Yeah, you have a bunch of different levels for people that uh, you can, I think, 25, 35, so on and so forth. There's some, you know, there's certain things that you get for the dollar amount, and, and it all yeah, goes to... you get to, t-shirts uh, and yeah. hats and maybe some props or, or maybe a couple of lines in the film itself. That'd be cool. <laughs> we encourage people to check out the links to help support the film Roadkill. We will post the notes to this at uh, Indiegogo.com, Projects Roadkill, a feature film. We'll post links in the show notes so anybody can check it out. And as it says here, Roadkill, Monsters and Hot Rods, a marriage made in heaven or hell. (laughs) Nice. Pretty good, huh? That's, That's actually really good. I've got a face for radio.
say to any monkeys fans out there something that they should know or something you'd like to say to them the floor is yours sir wow that wasn't you didn't tell me to get ready for that i know it's what can i say no matter what most monkey fans think about new monkeys but i know in my heart that i am one of you uh i was and am a huge monkeys fan you can ask my wife. I still listen to the monkeys. Uh-huh. I know from my heart that we've never, ever tried to replace or take the place of the monkeys because that, uh, that was definitely not our intention, and we knew that was something that could never be done. But it's cool that we've all kind of shared this together. Duh. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of people that when they listen to Marty's interview that they learn that, hey, these guys are pretty nice guys and sorry for all the bad blood and all that but there's no need for bad blood there's no need there's no need for i'm because we we all love the you know the same thing you know and it was and if you think about it it's the monkeys that have brought us all together you know absolutely and 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 i i wish the monkeys were actually still out there in the way that they in other words sometimes i feel like there's a younger generation that has no clue as to who the monkeys are. I mean, I know that the monkeys have their the core fan base, uh-huh. but but because there's no syndication. Well, they're they're only being shown on things like uh, antenna TV and things like that. But you're right. It it's sad that they're not like on Netflix even, or you know, on Nickelodeon again or something like that. It's just sad. Or TV Land for God's sakes. There there'd be an idea, you know. Actually, yeah, why, show why TV shows is on it because TV. Of Rhino? I have no idea. I have no idea. But it, you know, it's weird though that somewhere in this world, some some teenage girl seeing Davy Jones for the first time, kind of like when you were seeing the monkeys in syndication, you didn't put it together that it's a really old show. There's some there's some teenage girl out there falling in love with Davy Jones today for the first time. So, right, and isn't that a fantastic thing? It is. It's very cool. Whereas, if you watch New Monkeys, you can tell that it's it's dated because of the hairstyles. 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, your hair was insane. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because I get in arguments with people because they're like, oh, it's a mullet. And I'm like, it wasn't a mullet because no. I grew up knowing what a mullet was. Uh -huh. And I was quite aware of not wearing a mullet. It's a pompadour. It yes. just so happens that I had longer hair. So what was I going to do with it? I should well, have cut it off is what I should have done. It actually had more to do with uh, the rockabilly kind of thing that was springing up. You know, it was it was the extreme rockabilly pompadour. Exactly. That's why Jared and I got along so well. There you go. Yeah, Hair, bringing we, people together. Bringing people together. Jared, <laughs> you got to get him on the show. I'd love to have him on the show. I absolutely would. air that even though you're not like some big drummer who influenced a ton of people or you know you're not John Bonham or anything but there was a situation you were working with someone and a gentleman told you that you were the reason he became a drummer could you share that with us oh yeah 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 that was a friend of mine Lance who used to direct me and Stiv on back porch video he was directing these programs for this church. This church would videotape their sermons so that they could put them on TV, on the internet, and what, what have you. Right. So I was talking to my friend Lance, who was actually the director of me and Stiv on Back Porch Video. He used to direct our, our shows on Back Porch. And I was talking to him, and the drummer from the jazz band of the church asked him, hey, who are you talking to? And Lance said, oh, I'm talking to Dino. Uh, Dino, uh, he was in the New Monkeys. And this guy got so excited that Lance was talking to Dino from New Monkeys. He was like, you know Dino? And Lance, and I could hear him on the phone. You know, he's like, yeah, I know Dino. And he actually put, put Larry on the phone and we had a great conversation. He was like, can, can we ever meet up for like some coffee when you're in town? I was like, yeah. So the next time I was in Michigan, my daughter and I met Larry and uh, we went and had lunch. And this blew me away. He was, you know, he was this, this, this kid from Detroit, urban city kid. He said to me, you don't understand. You are the reason why I became a drummer. Now, I know, you know, I've heard him play, and he's a jazz drummer, and he's a great drummer. Uh -huh. And I was like, you know, Larry, I, you're a much better drummer than I'll ever be. He goes, no, but you don't get it. It's not so much that, you know, I'm better or you're better. He said, when I was a kid, I saw the New Monkeys... And I saw you playing drums, and I saw you back there, and you were just, like, having so much fun. I thought, that's what I want to do. I want to be like him. Then it hit me. I was like, oh, wow. And in the same way, I think it, it's kind of like what happened with me and Mickey, if you think about it, you know, because 
I was I wasn't a drummer when I was watching the monkeys, but I remember him sitting there and playing drums and I thought I don't I don't I can't say I had that thought like, wow, I wanna be like Mickey. I can't say that it didn't influence me into being a drummer. Uh-huh. And and when he told me that, I was just it just it just blew my mind. I thought, wow, I actually you know, in some indirect way <laughs> turned this kid on, you know, this this inner city kid. I turned him on into being a drummer, and and I still talk to Larry. You know, we chat back and forth. He's still kicking butt, playing jazz on his drums, and uh, and, and that was after that. I was like, well, that's, my job was done. I'm I'm good. You know, that is so cool. That is that is neat how you were able to influence somebody in the same way that the uh, guys, including Mickey, uh, helped influence you. That's very cool. Yeah, I mean, it's it's all about love, Ken. It's, it's all, all about, about love. love. Well, I'll tell you what, Dino. Hopefully we'll bump into each other uh, sooner than later, and uh, maybe we'll see each other at a monkey's convention. You never know. Uh, you never know. You never know. So I want to thank you for being on this episode of Zilch, and hope to do some more stuff with you in the future. Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me on. All right. God bless. enjoyed this look at the new monkeys experience looking at the process of developing that show with schneider and rafelson and blauner and how much of a fan dino was it's just so cool that we can all get together and monkey around thank you for monkeying around with us and see you on the next episode and that's our show zilch is an online non-profit monkeys audio fanzine made by fans for fans any samples of music or interviews heard remain property of their owners We are not related to the monkeys or any of their members past or present. We are not affiliated with Rhino or Ray Bird. If you hear anything you like from the band, go on Amazon or iTunes and buy it. If you enjoyed the show, like us on Facebook and rate us on iTunes. Thank you for listening. Until next time, I'm your announcer, Chelsea Epstein, saying always take some time to monkey around.